This is Edge of the Box, a podcast brought to you by whoscored.com. Hello, welcome back to the Edge of the Box podcast, a podcast by whoscored.com in association with Bet Victor. I'm your host, Dan Bardell, joined as ever by Jonathan Wilson and Martin Lawrence from Who Scored itself. Jonathan, we'll start with you. Award nominated, I saw this week. I've already yes. voted for you. Martin's Excellent. already voted for you, so that's two votes. Glad to hear it. If everybody else could vote for me, that would be tremendous. Uh, Football Association, Football Sports Association. I don't know where you find it. I mean, I can post a link on Twitter, but vote Wilson. Yeah. 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 Who, who are you up against? I did look, I can't remember. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Well, Miguel Delaney, most importantly, as long as I beat Miguel, it doesn't really matter. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Bizarrely, Edge of the Box was not not among the podcast nominees, which is an absolute shambles. I mean, I do about a thousand podcasts. I've not been nominated for anything. That's that's been nominated, so you can vote for me twice. That's true, yeah. You want to vote for The Guardian as well, so I can do the travel? That would also be lovely. (laughs) I think actually that one, the, the Guardian one, is up against another podcast that I sometimes appear on, so I can't. Can't vote for that one, I'm afraid. I'm afraid oh, you're not one of the, not one of the yeah, that, scum, are you? That, that, I'm, that's I'm, I'm yeah, abstaining that, that from me. the podcast. Yeah, but as a Martin, we've not really, we've not been nominated for anything individually though. A surprise, probably a surprise to many people watching this podcast that, that we've not been nominated for any individual awards. It is, it's nuts. The, the, this just ruins the legitimate legitimacy of the awards completely. I think, but there we go. Good luck, Jonathan. Though, yeah, we do. Want Thank Jonathan. you very much, Team Jonathan. Jonathan to win. Have you won before? Have you won that award before? Uh, twice, yeah. Yeah. Oh, look at that. But there was it's also, amazing. it should be said, there was a long time when I couldn't be nominated because the Blizzard, which at the time I owned, uh, was sponsored by the, always had a partnership with the FSA. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I've won it twice and also couldn't be nominated for about six years. So, who scored obviously would have won it all, all those six times had I. Had who scored have won it once? That best independent website. Um, many moons ago now unfortunately <laughs> but yeah we do we, we do have an award from them i've got zero awards i've been nominated for awards before but i've never won jackal so that's keep good. getting Let's... on every podcast surely something yeah it's gotta happen, it's gotta happen. <laughs> next year next year is my year i'm aiming to, to do a podcast a week i'll be i'll be there let's do our let's do this podcast instead of talking about awards so we've got the team of the week for the champions league martin is that true? We do. Have I got that right? Or have I made a mistake immediately? No, no. Why I get <laughs> nominated for nothing. <laughs> we do. We'll, we'll start with that. I'd love to see your attempt at pronouncing the goalkeeper. And this is a contentious selection for sure. It is Odysseus Vlokodimos of Benfica who conceded five goals <laughs> against Bayern Munich. But that game could have been an absolute... Well, it was a whitewash, but it could have been horrific for Benfica. He, he made seven saves in that game, including a penalty save. So he just edges his way into the team of the week. Despite I mean, come on, that penalty save. Like, <laughs> literally, my, my eyelex was just blown away. <laughs> and I go and chase after would have saved that penalty. <laughs> In a statistical rating, it just goes down as penalty saved, unfortunately. But yeah, I, I agree. Um, the back four, Trent Alexander-Arnold, two assists in that game. He played very well. He's having a sensational season in general. Max Werber uh, is partnered by Marquinhos at centre-back. And João Cancelo at left back. He's the first player to get three assists in a Champions League game uh, in over two years since Angel Di Maria. Both of those instances against poor old club Bruges. Uh, in midfield, we have Chiesa on the right, Pedro Gonçalves in the middle with Marcelo Brozovic, who we'll probably come on to a bit later. Uh, Vinicius Jr. on the left, also having a sensational season, a real sort of coming of age season. Him and Benzema have certainly made up. 
uh, after their sort of fallout was it last season they've actually had a direct hand in each other's goals six times this season he assisted both of Benzema's goals this week and the strike force there's no Ronaldo again it seems like we're bullying Ronaldo on this show uh, it doesn't mean to be it is what a does he need to rate. do I know. Well, he needs to get an assist along with his goals, basically, because okay. Dybala scored twice and got an assist, and Lewandowski got a hat-trick and got an assist. So those, that's the strike force. Uh, Ronaldo, for what it's worth, I think he was the fifth or sixth highest-rated player in the in in the tournament this week, but just can't get his way into our team of the week. We certainly love it. I mean, he's always loved the Champions League, to be fair, but since he's rocked up at Manchester United, he's scoring every single time, single-handedly, keeping their Champions League campaign alive. I believe we've got a Premier League team of the month as well, Martin, which you have confidently said you don't need to spend long on this because Jonathan will like it. Yeah, I am confident. I'm almost expecting a round of applause, to be honest. This is already out on social media, has done done good numbers on social media, so that's why I'm only just going to touch upon it. Just want to get Jonathan's thoughts. So it's Aaron Ramsdale in goal, and then it's an entire back four made up of Chelsea, Rhys James, Trevor Chalaber, uh, Thiago Silva and Ben Chilwell. The midfield three, I think you'll like the balance as well. Kovacic, Rice and Tielemans. And then the front three is Salah on the right, Smith Rowe on the left and Firmino up front. Applause away. Yes! Yes! yes. I mean, Come on. there's obviously a major doubt there, which is you, you've picked four Chelsea players who used yeah. to play in a five, in a four. Yeah. So, so there's my first quibble. But it, it has some kind of balance, which... Thank it's a long you. time since we've been able to say, that. say I, that. So I haven't been able to celebrate much lately, so I will take that for sure. I can I can feel Garth Crooks leaving the room. <laughs> that mid that midfield would be difficult to play against, I would say. It's a good yeah, midfield. It's a good midfield. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like the midfield. That, that would be really difficult to play against. Let's let's touch base with Sam Boswell from Bet Victor then early on. Let's get it done early in the show this week. Change it up, Martin. So let's go and speak to Sam about the Manchester Derby and then we'll come back and preview the Manchester Derby ourselves. Sam, welcome. Good to see you as always. We're gonna start off this week with something a little bit different. I understand we've got some free bets to give away and that this is actually going to be a weekly thing. Yeah, um, this is going to be a bit different. Started last week and all you guys need to do to get involved is just type Rafinha in the comments because he's our selected player to get a shot from outside the box. Uh, I think the stat is he's had two uh, of these in his last five games and should hopefully do a good job for Leeds. He's a player I really like as well. And we're giving away the uh, opportunity for you guys to win some bets. The more shots he has from outside the box, the more bets we'll give away. So if he doesn't have any shots from outside the box, we'll give away Jackal. Yep. Basically. We're we're confident. Come on, Dan, let's be positive here. I'm just asking. He's going to have a few shots, isn't he? Let's be honest. He's a great player for Leeds and um, he's certainly one I enjoy watching. I know he's been in and out of my fantasy team this season for that very reason. Without Patrick Bamford, I think he's had the opportunity to, to get a little bit more of his shooting boots on and fingers crossed we can try and give away some free bets. Yeah, he's definitely the main man for Leeds. Really great player to watch. The main game this weekend is the Manchester Derby, Sam. What have Bet Victor got going on for that? Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this. Obviously, Saturday lunchtime should be a great game. It's it's really amazing, isn't it, to think that these teams, in terms of the table, aren't as far apart as I think I'd have thought they would be, given what's gone on so far this yeah. season. Um, United, 18-5 to to get the win at home. 3-1 to the draw, which looks a big price to me. I think... I think United might just get something here. Four to six for City to do what I think most people would expect. They're the right favourites for for many reasons. Boost-wise, we've got loads already on the site. If you think Cristiano Ronaldo is going to really turn up 
and make this a hell of a game, which I think he could well do. Boosted him to score two or more, 21-2. to two. Obviously, Ronaldo seems to have kept Oli single-handedly in a job so far this season. I could quite easily see him having a big game. Phil Foden, if you think he's going to be the key man for City, 9-5 to five to score any time. I actually prefer this bet, though. Foden to be shown a card 13 to 2, boosted from 5 to 1. I can see that being, uh, I can see there being a few cards in this one, a little bit of a feisty affair. Loads of stuff on the site for it. Obviously, it's going to be a, a fantastic game. We have the usual stat markets, player markets. You've got your bet builders on there. Looking forward to hearing uh, what you guys think about the game as well. But loads going on for it. And it, it should be, I think, a, a real exhibition of football. And I can see goals. I don't know about yourself. I said there wasn't going to be goals the last time we talked about Manchester United. And that was against Liverpool. And I was completely wrong. So I think it's best I'm just saying nothing, which isn't I mean, great for a podcast. Yeah. But I'm just saying nothing on this occasion. Yeah, there were no Manchester United goals. Um, the other thing I must mention, Dan, before I go, is it is safer gambling week this week. And it's something we take incredibly seriously all year round but it's a really good opportunity for us to highlight just some of the tools that exist not just on BetVictor's site but on a lot of bookmakers sites or opportunities a lot of people are aware that you can self-exclude if you feel like you have a problem but we also have measures that will help people keep their gambling responsible for example you have deposit limits which mean that you'll have a set amount each week month that you can play through and then after that you won't be able to deposit anymore we have the option of timeouts if you want a shorter break which is able just to take you away from gambling for a period of time timeout options those kind of things are all their profit loss trackers everything to ensure that your gambling stays fun like i say safer gambling week isn't just a week we talk about safer gambling and ignore it it's the opportunity to start the conversation around keeping your gambling fun and making sure that if you do feel like you're developing any form of problem, the opportunity there is to take a break, step away or self-exclude. Thanks ever so much. Really, really important stuff that, Sam. You can get back to whatever it is you're doing. looks very nice where you are. So have a great day, mate. Yeah, looking forward to hearing the rest of the cast and hearing uh, what you guys are going for this week. So, yeah, the Saturday lunchtime game is the big one. It's the Manchester Derby, Manchester United versus Manchester City at Old Trafford. United won a game last week, Jonathan. Quite comfortably, I mean, it was against a very, very poor Spurs side, but Solskjaer stumbled upon a workable system. Well, it worked in the Premier League. I'm not sure it worked as well in midweek. I would say that system was a week late. They should have done that against Liverpool. But yes. still, it worked. Yeah, I think that's probably true. That um, It sort of was, was also going back to what he, what he does well. And the thing he does well as a manager is to set up a team not to concede. We saw last season, the six games they played against Liverpool, City and Chelsea, they kept five clean sheets. And you have to give them credit for that. So although they didn't do that with the back three necessarily last season, it was a way of, of, of regaining that solid base while keeping Ronaldo in the side. The question going forward is, can you do that when it's pretty hard? I think you can fit Rashford in there, maybe Greenwood in there, but you're going to always be leaving at least one of them out and, and, you know, and Cavani. And, and where does Pogba fit in there? Uh, I, him, yeah, Pogba playing on um, Tuesday night. Uh, you know, although he was good going forwards, and you know, it was, it was his it was his layoff that led to the McTominay shot that hit the post. You know, he kept giving the ball away, and he he left holes there, um, and that was a major problem certainly in Adla- Atlanta's first goal. Uh, and then Sancho, which is no place at all for Sancho. There's no winger in that size. You've spent seventy three million quid on a player you spent two years chasing. And you've devised a system that has no no space for it. So, um, you know, critical as I've been of Solskjaer, I think there's always been an awareness there that there are bigger issues at the club. Um, he's something I think needs to change if United are ever to challenge for the title again. 
but he's not the only thing that needs to change. Do you think he'll go Cavani again, Jonathan? Cavani and Ronaldo against City? Or do you think he will bring Rashford in? Um, uh, I don't know. I mean, he, he could do either. I, I, I mean, I think the logic of playing Rashford against Atalanta was that they pressed so high, there's like to be spacing behind them. So his his pace, not the Cavani's slow, but, but Rashford's pace is exceptional. And I think maybe there was a thought that 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 that, that could give him an option there. Um, City, we know, can be vulnerable on the counter, and Saltier's record against Guardiola is pretty good, and that has been on the counter. So I would say probably Rashford, but then Cavani's movement is so good, and the link up with Ronaldo last week, certainly in the second half, was so good that you, you think maybe, maybe that's that's the way they'll want to go. I think the bigger issues at the other end, particularly with Varane being out and still a doubt over Lindelof, that. Um, if he wants to play the back three, if Lindelof's not fit, it means going with Bailly, who I, I don't think he quite trusts, although Bailly played perfectly well um, on uh, on Tuesday. And then does he play Luke Shaw as a third centre-back and bring in Tellis on the left? Probably. Um, but he, he was could have done that on Tuesday and didn't. You know, after uh, Varane was injured, he, he went to the back four again. So... Um, I don't know. You'd assume he'll keep, keep stick with the back three if he possibly can, but it it, it may be a, you know, a, a a very changed back three from last week. Kind of feel like Wambasaka could do a job on the outside of a back three and then play Dalla, who's probably more of a wing back than Wambasaka is. Yeah, the problem with that is I think Bai likes to play on the right of the three, yeah. and I wouldn't trust Bai in the middle. Could you play on the left? Possibly, but I, I, I just wouldn't trust moving too much around. Well, I just sort of think you then could have De Bruyne attacking him on his left foot. In you know, you know for um, for back threes, the the weak point to me always seems that 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 interface between the wide centre back and the full and the wing back. And if you've got a your centre back playing on the wrong side, that's going to be even weaker. Um, so I don't know. Maybe he will do that. And I, I think you're right. I think Wabasaka could play on the right of it. I, I'd have more faith in. Ensure doing it in in this particular instance. I mean, let's face it; it could be four two four. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> yeah. it, it literally could be anything. Martin, Super Jackie Grealish, no mm-hmm. flack when he was an Aston Villa player. Aston Villa fans <laughs> gave him no jip whatsoever, and we are certainly missing him right this second. <laughs> but he is taking flack for Manchester City. I've got to say, I'm a little bit confused about it, but I'm not sure yeah. why he's getting stick. Yeah, well, he's taking it. I think you'd expect it from from neutrals who are sort of keen to dig into him after the after the, just because of the size of the fee and I guess that plays a part in City fans as well but I don't know uh, maybe we're getting caught up in the sort of social media fans but there is a lot of sort of criticism for him and I, I agree I don't really think it's justified he's definitely not been at his best but he's not been poor either and he's I wouldn't say he's been the main concern for Man City either I think Do you think his lack of goals and assists? Yeah yeah and he's played well in the Champions League, but yeah, he, he, he's lacking that sort of end product which he'd picked up last season. Like we should say, he hasn't always had that. Like last season was his first season, really, when he was actually good in front of goal in terms of goals and assists, and like strong. Um, and this season, he's regressed a little bit, but it will need time. City's front three is sort of interchangeable. I don't think that has really helped him to settle. But I think there are players at City. I think. He's had his injury problems, but Kevin De Bruyne, I'd say for one, has had a very quiet start to the season. Obviously, City fans aren't gonna aren't gonna criticise Kevin De Bruyne, but I think there are players 
in that team who have, who have who have started worse, and I think he's he's a pretty easy target. The stats aren't great, but they're not bad at all. Like he's still he's still got good stats, and and a lot of them aren't a lot lower than he had at Villa. So his, his shots are only marginally down. His key passes are only marginally down. Still 3.2 key passes per 90 in all competitions, which is very, very good. The area where he sort of dropped off, his dribbles are, are much lower and his dribble success is lower. And as we sort of we sort of suggested it would be at the start of the season, he's getting fouled a lot less or he's winning a lot less fouls. Or he's, yeah, he's getting a lot fewer decisions. Uh, from the referee. So his, his use of the ball in terms of carrying it has been worse. And I guess that's the frustration with Man City fans. He's not His, his dribbling's not been great. He's not winning the fouls that he used to. So he's, his fouls won per 90 has dropped from 4.5 at Villa to only 2.5, which is a high number, but it's it's not no longer the sort of far and away the highest in the league. It's sort of fifth or sixth, I think. And he's also actually winning possession in the attacking third less often as well, which I guess is one of the more surprising ones given sort of Pep's pressing system. So maybe there, there's an element there that he's not quite clicking in terms of buying into the system just yet. But it is it is early days. I still think he's playing pretty well. He's just not at, at the levels that we came to expect, certainly last season. He's missing being in Villa's famed press, Martin. That's it. That, yeah. that, that's what he's missing. The, the, the Villa press is more successful than the, than the Pep press over the years. What, what have you made of him, Jonathan? Because well, I thought he was going to play more in the middle for Man City. Yeah, I mean, that's what that, Pep said as well. That's a slightly odd thing. That that was definitely the message we were getting out of there in the summer. And, and I think when he has played as the false nine, it hasn't really worked. Mm. So just just to pick up on a couple of those stats that Martin mentioned, I think his his dribble success rate being lower, you would expect because he's playing against teams who are sitting deeper, so there's less mm-hmm. space to run into. Uh, I think naturally the way City play, he's going to dribble less. I, th- I think that that was always going to be a stat that was going to going to drop, and I think to an extent that might be part of the issue at the minute. That I think he's he's so determined to fit into the system. I think occasionally he takes the the safe option rather than maybe taking a man on. Yeah, and Pep himself talked about this after the Palace game, saying that he he felt he'd become more he would become more confident as time goes by. And saying we shouldn't judge him at this stage, judge him after four or five years, which I think is fair because if you look at other wide players, I say wide players, I mean sort of forwards who can play wide, maybe it's a better way of putting it, who've gone to City in recent years. Sane, Mares, Sterling, um, there's one other as well. Who's the other one? Torres, uh, mm-hmm. I still feel I've missed somebody. Bernardo Silva have all been better in their second season than, than their first. Yeah. Um, so it does take time to learn the system. Um, the the fact he's not winning the ball back as often, uh, I think partly that will be because City have the ball more, so you don't need to win it back as often. Um, it's partly, and this is, I think, to do with his interaction with Jair Cancelo. And there's a, there's a very odd stat that Cancelo's had more touches in the final third this season than Grealish has, albeit having played, I think, about a game and a half more in total, uh, near total minutes. Um, and Cancelo plays in quite an unusual way for fullback because he tends to come inside. He plays sort of as an auxiliary playmaker rather than overlapping, which he would have had with with Matt Target at, at, at Villa. So I think learning how to uh, work with a fullback like that is, you know, it, it is something he has to learn. It is something very different. And one of the things you have to do when you have a fullback who goes beyond you is, and I guess particularly when he's going inside, you have to hold your position so that you can't be counted against. So that doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to win the ball there, but just by being there, he helps funnel the, the, the opposition counter into different areas. 
So you might be winning the ball back sort of indirectly, which obviously wouldn't register on stats. So I think you've got to take all that into account. Having said all that and, and, and agreeing that I don't think there's any reason for panic at all, I think it's telling that he's been taken off when City have been chasing the game against PSG, against Liverpool, against Palace. Uh, and I think there is a sense that he does at times slow the game down slightly. And again, I think that's a matter of time. I think it probably will come. Um, so, yeah, it's 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 by no means disastrous, but I don't think he's beyond criticism. I don't think it's unreasonable to express after 10 games, which he started nine, it's not unreasonable to sort of say, well, these things aren't quite working yet. He does like a derby game though, Martin. Might come alive in the derby. As long as no fans are really not in hitting yeah. him in the head. Whether this derby means anything to him, I don't yeah. know. But but yeah, that was very interesting insight, Jonathan. I must say, I was, was enthralled by that. Do you want Do you want to do a monologue about tackle success and try and make it more <laughs> interesting in your mind? Because nobody can make that interesting. Absolutely nobody uh, can make that interesting. There will be a preview based on Grealish in Saturday's Guardian. So there we go. But it's, yeah. a, it's actually looking at Grealish v Sancho because I sort of think that they've joined the wrong clubs. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, that's an no, interesting yeah. shout. The, the, no, no, that, that's maybe being unfair on Grealish because I, I, I suspect he will in time adapt. But he was used to being the sort of creative hub. He was used to working things out for himself. But well, it's not to say that there was no structure at Villa, but he had a lot of freedom to interpret his own role. And at City, he's very much having to learn a system, learn a structure. Were he at United, it'd be go and get on with yeah. it and work it out. Yeah, no tactics. Whereas... Sancho is the opposite. He's come from Lucien Favre's Dortmund, where it was very structured, where other players moved, yeah, conditioned where he moved. And he knew if he went somewhere, other players would move accordingly. There were very set moves. And suddenly he's at United, where here's Ronaldo, who we didn't expect to sign until like six hours before we signed him. And we haven't got any system. We haven't got any structure. There'll probably be a fullback behind you who's getting exposed all the time. Don't know if you want to worry about that. We don't know either. And we're taking you off and putting you back on. And you've only started three games and you've been taken off in all three of them and it's all chaos. Yeah. And there's a space next to Donny van der Beek on the bench for you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I hope the two of them get on because I suspect they're going to be spending a lot of time together the rest of this season. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd have thought so. It'd be, it'd be sensible to make them roommates, really, wouldn't it? Does Jack Grealish make the combined 11, Martin? Uh, he does. He does. Like I said... Uh, it can't be that bad then, can it? It can't be that bad no. if you're in the who scored well, 11. He, he, He's got he's got a good rating. Uh, it's like statistically he's still been pretty strong. Obviously the goals and assists aren't aren't there yet, but yeah, I, su- I suppose he's not up against a, hot, a hell of a lot at, at Man United this season. But there are three United players in the in the eleven. Um, we're starting goal. It's not a Man United player. It is Edison. Uh, this is based on league ratings this season. So yeah, Edison pips De Gea, who I think has done a lot of his sort of better work in the Champions League, but that wasn't the case in midweek. Um, Wambasaka is actually the right back over Walker, which might come as a surprise. Walker's not had a strong season statistically in our in our ratings at all. So actually, He's defended been for the second goal was embarrassing the other day. Against <laughs> it was. Where was he going? Yeah, um, but yeah, so it's Wambasaka at um, right back, Varane at centre back. Obviously, now he's injured. Uh, Diaz is, is his partner, not Maguire. Funnily enough, Maguire has been shocking like really worryingly bad um over the last since he come back from injury i don't think he's fit but there you go cancelo left back as you'd expect rodri and gundern in the double pivot there's no room for de bruyne fernandez gets the spot as the 10 and then it's bernardo silva 
We've got him on the right, Grealish on the left, and Gabriel Jesus ahead of Ronaldo up front, based on league ratings. No Foden. No Foden. No, based on league ratings again. I think again he's another one of those. He's, he's got quite a few of his goals in the in the cup and the and the Champions League. Obviously he had that um, incredible game against uh, Liverpool, but he's also had a couple of sub appearances as well, which probably impacted his his rating a little bit as well. So I did. It would have been him in the comments about Foden last week, actually not being in the the Player of the Month. I think it was no Player of the Week. It must have been that we did that we did last week. The form guides, the I don't know what they're called. Oh, the power, <laughs> power rankings. What are they called? <laughs> Form rankings, whatever you like. That was, yeah. a, that was odd. There was a bit of a kickoff in the comments that he wasn't there. He, Basically, he saying our whole podcast was a joke because Foden for, wasn't, wasn't there. <laughs> he wouldn't qualify for what it's worth for the form okay. rankings. There we go. Uh, because Thanks, he wouldn't have enough it. games over a certain amount of time. Wouldn't have started enough games over a certain amount of time. Jonathan, what have you done in 11? I have. Uh, it's all City players. Uh, it's actually <laughs> not that easy to work out what City's first 11 would be. I mean, I kept De Bruyne in... Um, purely on sort of sentimental grounds that I sort of remember him being really, really good. And I assume he will be good. Um, I mean, for what it's worth, Edison, Walker, uh, Stones, because Laporte obviously is, is out, uh, Diaz, Cancelo, Rodri, Gundogan, De Bruyne, Bernardo Silva, Foden as the false nine and Grealish on the left. Yeah, Man City's team. Pepper's manager. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pepper, Pepper's Are you manager sure? Well. Uh, Tiki Bilevistan is the director of football. And... Um, <laughs> Well, one yeah, thing he, not one thing he can say ideally. for Solskjaer is, like Jonathan said earlier, like what he did well in the past was setting up well defensively for these sort of games. And he does does have the best win rate of any manager against Pep Guardiola. He's got a 50% win rate from eight games, one four of eight games of the 31. Should be said, one of those was a League Cup semi-final second leg where they got absolutely battered in the first leg. It was, yeah, it was. But still... So still, even and if also there was that three-two win at the Etihad, having been two-nil <laughs> down, uh, with the, when the title was already decided, and they suddenly scored three times about fifteen minutes in the second half because everybody's gone to sleep. It's all about results, though, Jonathan. Still, even if it were three wins out of eight, it'd still be a pretty decent record. I'm saying it's two, but yeah, okay. <laughs> but yeah, two, Klopp, two, Klopp two is, wins out of six. Klopp is the closest behind him in terms of win rate with. About just over forty percent win rate against um, Guardiola from a, a lot more games, obviously. And third is Nuno uh, with thirty-seven point five percent. Sure, yeah, Pepe have... is top, isn't he? Yeah, I, I, I did look at. Had to have met five times. So, uh, right, I think okay. there's forty-eight managers. Fair. Yeah, um, I'm not sure yeah. saying it's a results business in defence of Solskjaer is something that's going to catch on, Martin. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, don't, I don't see that catching on at all. Have we got a bet builder for this one? <laughs> We do have a bet builder, and guess who's in it? Maguire yellow card. Maguire yellow card Got is in there, it. hasn't it? It is in it. We've done two. Uh, the last two Man United bet builders we've done, he hasn't been in it for what it's worth. But he had. There was just no not putting him in it this week because his right, record. Sort of his record sure. against Man City in terms of yellow cards is actually remarkable. In his last eight league meetings with Man City, he's been booked in seven of them. <laughs> he's only not been booked once in his last eight. Been booked nine times against City in total. He's four more than against any other team. So he looks nailed on. Have you got anything so about that's... his tackle success right in the Manchester? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I can look into it for you, but I assume it is not great. I'm just going to go that far. Um, so we also have both teams to score. United haven't kept a clean sheet at home all season. Uh, City have conceded in four of their last five away games. I think there'll be goals at both ends. Ronaldo to score, just based on... He, he is on fire in front of goals, isn't he? He, does, he deserves credit. His nine goals this season, they've all been like 
decisive goals, so to speak. They've either been goals to take the lead, equalising goals, or goals to... Uh, sorry, they, they've either been goals to <laughs> take the lead, equalise, or win matches, basically. Decisive so nine goals. goals. Decisive goals, yeah. Uh, so nine goals in 10 starts. He's he's basically saving Solskjaer's job, isn't he, so far? Whether that's a good thing for United fans, I don't know. But we've got how Ronaldo... United, hang on, sorry. How many United goals this season have not been decisive goals? How many games have... I mean, apart from the, the third and fourth goals against Newcastle and the second, third, fourth and fifth against Leeds... Have they won any question. of the games by more than one? It's a good question, Jonathan. I don't know off the top of my head. Anyway, Ronaldo to score, both teams to score. Maguire carded and Rodri carded. He's been booked in three of his last five against Man United. So that's been boosted from 24 to 1 to 28 to 1 by Bet Victor this week. I'll be doing that, but changing Rodri to Fred. Okay. That'll be what Thank you. I'll, I'll, have a, I'll have a go at that. Right, our predictions for this game. I've completely forgotten what mine is. I'm going to have to get my phone out to have a look. But you can go uh, first, we... Jonathan. Or, okay, you go first, Martin. That's fine. Oh, sorry. Or who scored? We've got 3-1 no, to Man City, obviously, to go in line with our bet builder. Yeah, 3-1 okay. to Manchester City. What have I done? I can't even find it. I've gone 2-0 to Manchester City. Comfortable right. days worth for Man City. It should be. Saturday lunchtime. Let's move on now to Everton against Tottenham. Now we're talking, Jonathan. Conta. I like a bit of Conta. I always get carried away with this, with managers getting getting new jobs around this time of the season. I think I did it a little bit with Tuchel last season. Although that was a good that was a, a good shout, but you know, Conta into Spurs, that's exciting. Yeah, it is. I mean, I think he's comfortably one of the top ten managers in the world at the moment, and for Spurs to get him is is a coup. Um he's got significant limitations with the squad he's gonna have to work with, but if they need somebody to sort of give them a real jolt and, and sort of try and wake them out of the stagnation that they've been in really for you know, two and a half years now, you know, I think Conte is the, the ideal man. So, um, And given his, his past history, his past record, whatever the club are saying now, and it's totally logical that they should say this, I can't believe they won't have money to spend in, in January and next summer. I, think, you know, I just don't think Conte would have taken the job without those guarantees. Got to get Victor Moses involved at Spurs. <laughs> I think he's Spartak Moscow. Victor yeah. Moses. He must fancy a move back to England. He, he, he must not be happy there. What Lucas you, Moura. Lucas Moura. Lucas Moura, the wing back. Yeah, 100%. Go all over him. Good, Great work, great. Chance. Ridiculously good in the air for some reason as well. Lucas Moura, right wing back. I'm saying it now. Yeah, he'll go to three at the back. Where he, how, how do you oh. think Spurs will... What will Spurs look like under Conte, Martin? I think he'll try and, he'll try and line them up pretty similar to how he did at... Uh, Inter, rather than sort of the the three four three at Chelsea, I think he will go with a three five two. Personally, the Kane Son, yeah, personally, yeah, collection of midfielders though is just so ordinary. Yeah, I know, but that that kind of means that it's better to have strength in numbers in that area, isn't it? If rather than having a two, I don't Mm. think that a two in midfield is strong enough. I don't think they've got a, a good enough sort of midfield base. Hoiberg's obviously a good player, but I think ideally. In that system, Conte would probably want Hoiberg to be a sort of a, an enforcer, sort of higher up the pitch. I don't think he'd want him to be the sitting midfielder. I think it's those those positions in midfield are, are the ones that are sort of up for grabs, so to speak. Hoiberg's obviously pretty nailed on. For what it's worth, he was he was interested and he did have a liking for Ndombele while he was at Inter. He tried to sign Ndombele at Inter, yeah. so I'd imagine he will play. It's the other one, isn't it? It's Lacelso. Uh, skip and I even think Harry Winks um, could, if he can remember how to play football, because it has has been a while. 
he could come back into it because I think the sort of the Brozovic role, so to speak, at Inter is someone who can pass, keep the ball, pass forward. Brozovic, incredibly underrated player. I don't think that is Hoiberg necessarily. So I think there might be a role in the sort of middle of that midfield um, for a, for a Winks, possibly a skip. Um, but we'll see. And the other one, I guess, that's up for grabs is is the the third centre back alongside Romero and Dyer. Whether that's, I, th- I think it might be Tanganga uh, on the right of a three rather than Sanchez, but we'll see. Davies, obviously an option to play on the left of a three as well. Done it mm. plenty of times for Wales. Didn't play well for what it's worth against, against United. But yeah, I, I think the Kane-Son partnership as a two is something he'll he'll look to emulate what he did with Lukaku and Martinez to an extent, I think, because they, they were sensational. Interesting. Would you go along with that, Jonathan? Some good analysis on the podcast this week. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I'm, I'm not. That, that, that may well be true. I, I'm, I'm. I think there is a possibility he goes with the, the three four. I think it's more of a three four two one. Yeah, and I, I, I think the Sun Kane partnership, when it's been at its best, has been with Sun coming off the left. Yeah, certainly last season, you, you know, he he was coming off the left. You had Bale or whoever on the right. So I think he may try and resurrect that. And then use uh, Ndombele or Lo Celso as, as the, the right of those two mm-hmm. sort of inside forwards behind Kane. Um, but yeah, I, I, it could equally be a, be a be a more sort of orthodox three five two. And, and I agree, it'll be Hoiberg plus somebody to, to to pass it, which probably does look like Winks at the minute. Which um, it, yeah, if if he were to to, to recover form. They'll um, sign someone though, won't they? They're, they're linked to Brozovic. Well, they're linked to pretty much every Inter player. <laughs> um, they're linked to the entire back three. They're linked to Brozovic. I think the one that's probably closest is Kessie um, from Milan, whose contract's up uh, wow. in the summer. I think they'll try and get him in January. That looks like it could be relatively close. I don't think he's that player either, for what it's worth. I don't think he's that sort of player. No, he's a more dynamic. He's yeah. more Hoiberg type player, yeah. Yeah. But I think they'll, they'll look to get maybe two of them either side of a passer. So I could see them going for Brozovic, but potentially looking for an alternative. Someone. And the other player, is, of course, is Deli Ali. He could play say, not looking as, good for as him. The, the right of those two inside forwards. Mm-hmm. I just I mean, just, I mean, don't know what's happened. It's so sad. And you think three years ago he was so good and now he's just a ghost. I think it's, it's, that, it's that he's just lost his edge, hasn't he? I thought like, the whole thing about Deli Ali was he had that sort of bit of bite about him. I just haven't seen it for years. He hasn't, he hasn't yeah. The, the sort of verve has gone from his game both in an attacking standpoint, but also defensively, he's just not got that, not got that aggression to his game anymore. I've always thought he was pretty overrated, even when he was doing well. But I just, there's this, of course, he did. whenever yeah. I see him, there's nothing. There is literally nothing. He is nothing. He's a ghost on a football pitch. I mean, the, the one thing you would say that might be in his favour is he, you know, he came through and he thrived under Pochettino. He's then had two managers in Mourinho and, and, and Nuno who don't play that pressing game. True. And Conte will press, and so he will need aggressive figures in that midfield. So, if if Ali can be re-inspired, that that does feel mm-hmm. more his natural sort of game. But the the, the fact is, his form had dipped under yeah you know, at the end of Pochettino. It's not yeah. uh, it's it's not it's not, it's, it's not Mourinho's fault in that uh, yeah, his his decline. Let's have a look, little look at Everton then. Benitez suddenly under a little bit of pressure. Jonathan, not looking good for them at the moment, although I do think they've got injuries in key positions because they, when they had a fully fit side, they looked okay under Benitez. Yeah, I mean, they started really well. They got 14 points from the first seven games, which is actually better than they did for seven games last season um, under Ancelotti when everybody was getting very excited about the, the team with hammers and everything. Um, so I think, it, I think it is those injuries. Uh, yeah, to lose Calvert-Lewin, 
uh, to lose um, Alan Dukure at various times. You know, it's it's sort of taken out that spine. Uh, Solomon Rondon, I'm a huge fan of, but he he looks old now. I don't think he's quite the player he was three or four years ago at Newcastle. Um, and Michael Keane's having a shocker. It just seems to every time I watch Everton play at the minute, he's he's too deep and and you know that, that that's causing huge problems. So uh, what is it? Three three defeats in a draw from the last four games, um, and that weird capitulation against Watford, which. So, yeah, four goals in 12 minutes against Watford just seems so bizarre. Um, but, I mean, I, I don't know. I, Benitez clearly is a good manager. Uh, you would assume that it, it will sort itself out, uh, particularly when players return. Will he get less time, Martin, because of his previous managerial links? Uh, possibly, yeah, I think so. We'll rely on sort of, if he, if he loses two or three more games in a row, they've lost three in a row, as it stands, haven't they? I think yeah. if you were to lose two or three more in a row, and, and this is a tough game, isn't it? In Conte's first game in charge, then even though there there are clear reasons behind it, Decore is a huge miss, I think. Uh, and unbelievable at the start. Obviously, Calvert Lewin. He's been without Richarlison as well. He's only just come back, so it's not it's not <laughs> it's not had it easy at all. But yeah, if if we would, he were to lose five six games in a row, the fans, a lot of them who aren't pro Benitez already are really, really going to turn and, and that will have an impact eventually. I don't think he's under immediate pressure, but yeah, it's, it's bound to have some sort of impact. If Benitez doesn't work there, Ancelotti, okay, he, he left because he got the Real Madrid offer, but it wasn't a great season last season. I think their home form was terrible last season. No. Um, it, it sort of feels like they've cycled through every different type of manager. Mm. Uh, you look at their signings, they, they, they feel like quite good signings. Um, people like Dukure, um like uh, Andre Silva. Andre Silva, Andre Gomez. Who do I mean? Yeah, Andre Gomez. Yeah, Andre, Andre Gomez. Gomez. So if it's people like Dukure, Andre Silva, uh, Luke Andre Dean. Gomez. I, <laughs> <laughs> but you look at this. <laughs> you look at this. <laughs> so we've got the bloopers real now. We finally broke him. Yeah, their signings have been good. Uh, <laughs> people like Takure, Andre Gomez, uh, Luca Dean. Yeah, they're, they're, they're high-quality players. Uh, it's hard to see how they could get players of a significantly yeah, higher level than that. And yet that's still only enough to sort of be knocking about eighth. So yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, just, I wonder if there is that sort of ceiling for clubs like Everton. It's very hard to... Leicester may be the kind of example of this. But it's very hard, even with fairly significant expenditure... To break through that, to become a yeah, Europa League regular or, or, or to be challenging for the Champions League places. Really should have been looking at a player like Andre Silva. They are short a backup for, for, for Calvert-Lewin, that is true. They are, yeah. It's no, a very no. good shout, Dan. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. It wasn't a joke at, <laughs> at all. I've, I'm thrown out. Have, have we got the odds on the next manager to be sacked, incidentally, Martin? Because Benitez must be up there now. I've got a feeling I know who might be in front of you. Yeah, I think he's I think he's third third favourite to be sacked at the moment. Um but yeah, it's still quite long odds. Uh, behind who Solskjaer and Dean Smith. Yeah, Solskjaer and Smith, I think it is. Dean so, yeah. now the favourite. I believe so, yeah. I think Can I around. go for the as yet unappointed new Newcastle manager? <laughs> yeah. Ranieri's gotta be either. right up there as well. Surely Ranieri's in there. In the mix. He won't be there by Christmas, Raniera. Absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely no chance. Look a little bit about Harry Kane. England squad's been announced today. I mean, Harry Kane will absolutely be in it, mm-hmm. although his form is absolutely 
absolutely rotten. But will Conte help him out, Jonathan? I mean, I, I think there's a couple of things come together, isn't it? There's, you know, slow starts of a season are, are sort of well known. Even when he's had injuries, it takes him a little while to get back into rhythm. And yeah, I think he yeah, he needs games. Now, obviously, he has had games, but maybe his preparation for the season was hampered by the fact he came back to, to pre-season late. There's a lot of... I mean, Declan Rice is pretty much the only exception to this, but a lot of the players he played for England at the Euros have had poor starts to the season. Um, so all of that, plus speculation, plus the general sort of sense of drift at Spurs. Uh, he probably hasn't been getting the service he's had in previous years. Um yeah, I think there's a whole load of reasons why why he isn't performing. Uh, a new manager, new new shot of life, new direction, new uh, emphasis on pressing. I think all of that should should work for him. So I'd be amazed if he didn't start scoring pretty soon. Maybe not in the next week or two, but certainly before Christmas. Yeah, he might get run in the Europa Conference tonight, possibly get some get some goals ahead of the weekend. Let's quickly do our predictions for this game. Then we're going to look at the the England squad. But I've gone for one nil to Tottenham. I can't say one nil. Jonathan, two one to Tottenham. And Martin, who scored? Two uh, nil to Tottenham. Two nil to Tottenham. As we just alluded to, the England squad is announced today. I mean, I didn't allude to it at all. I outright said it, so I don't know why I used the word alluded. But have we got a best English eleven ahead of the the squad announcement, Martin? We do, and it is. Yeah. Uh, experimental to say the least uh, I think yeah, we should say that probably based, none of these players will be in the squad yeah basically based, based on what Jonathan said though I think it is a, a slight concern that England's probably their three most important players over the last sort of few years are all in rotten like properly rotten form like the worst form of their careers you're looking at Maguire Sterling obviously scored in the week but having real troubles at, at Man City and Kane they're all having terrible seasons and there aren't many England players, England regulars, having having great seasons. Luke Shaw's having a poor season. Grealish has sort of dropped off a little bit. But Saka's yeah, the, doing okay. He's doing okay, but I don't think Saka's like been incredible. I think Smith Rowe. I, I think he, I think he's had a pretty slow start the season. Yeah, Saka. I think Smith Rowe's the one who's really really caught the eye for Arsenal. He'll, he'll, be, be, he'll be he'll be in the squad. Yeah, he'll be one to look out for. I think there's a few names that do actually have a chance this time of breaking in, just because the form of some of them is is so poor. But yeah, our, our England eleven, top-rated England eleven this season, based on league re- ratings throughout Europe, are all twenty-five and under, which is quite nice. It points to success for the future, hopefully. Aaron Ramsdale is the goalkeeper, perhaps unsurprisingly, and I think there are calls for him to sort of start pushing Pickford. I don't think that will happen just yet, but he's playing very well. Ramsdale in goal, Trent at right back over Reese James, who's also had a great season. So obviously we know there's no shortage of right backs, but Trent at right back. It's Shalaber at centre-back alongside, and this is a, a blast from the past, even, even though I think he's still only 23, Reese Oxford of Augsburg, yeah. who's having a very good season in the Bundesliga at Augsburg. Uh, he, he partners Shalaber at centre-back. Ben Chilwell left-back, unsurprisingly, after his recent run of form. The midfield three I like is Declan Rice, who's having probably, well, undoubtedly, I'd say the best season of his career so far. And he's got Ka- uh, Conor Gallagher, and Jude Bellingham alongside him in a three. Those two look ones for the future. I think Gallagher could be a, a look in before too long. And then the front three is Jared Bowen on the right, Dwight McNeil on the left, just ahead of Grealish, and Ivan Tony up front, which really points to the fact that the strikers for England at the moment, obviously Calvert-Lewin's injured, Watkins not firing, ba- Bamford's injured, Tammy's gone quiet now in Roma. He hasn't scored for quite a while. So the strikers are... are <laughs> 
are really thin on the ground in terms of quality at the moment or in terms of being on form. But yeah, I'll just run through it really quickly again. Ramsdale, Alexander-Arnold, Shalibur, Oxford, Chilwell, Rice, Gallagher, Bellingham, Bowen, McNeil and Ivan Tony. He holds up the play very, very well for Brentford whenever he plays. He's a good sort of connecting striker. Mm. But yeah, his, his ratings dropped substantially over the last few weeks, but it's still, still enough to keep him in it just because the competition in that regard is so weak at the moment. Thought the new Yaya Toure, Ruben Loftus Cheek might have, might have had an outside chance of, mm. of making the team, probably on the probably on the bench. Jonathan, happy it's with not, that for England? Yeah, well, it's not actually. My team's not actually that <clears throat> dissimilar. And uh, the, the, the area, I mean, centre forward, yes, but also centre back had a real real problem finding players. So I've gone Ramsdale, Alexander Arnold, Chilwell. Um, then the centre backs, I sort of I had four: um, Dunk. Kilman, Tarkovsky, Chalaba. And I think I end up with Tarkovsky and Chalaba of those four. Then Rice, Gallagher, Bellingham, uh, Andros Townsend on the right, Foden as a false nine, and Mount on the left. Yeah. But Tamora? Tamora didn't make either terms. He's not having a good time in Milan. Uh, no, he is having a deep... Well, Milan are having a very good season in Serie yeah. aren't they? I think they've won 10 of 11 games. But yeah, he's having a good season, but just um, not... Outstanding, yeah. Reese Oxford no. for England. I'm calling. Not doing <laughs> enough for who, for the who scored out. Not doing enough. Not quite. No, come on, come on, tomorrow. Get it yeah. together. He'll, he'll pick up now. Now he knows. Yeah, yeah. Let's look at West Ham v Liverpool. Them good game. This will be obviously. I saw West Ham in the flesh on Sunday. Jonathan, Declan Rice. Honestly, he was incredible. I mean, Villa gave him the most amount of respect that I think he'll be given all season. Didn't get near him. He's added a few things to his, his game, game this season. He, he's not a box-to-box midfielder, but he's getting forward and looking like he might score more goals than he has done in previous seasons. But the thing that struck me with him is he looks quite awkward when he runs. He actually <laughs> takes such long strides. He's really, really quick. Uh, I hadn't noticed that, but I'll take your word for uh, it. You see him in the face, Jonathan. You'll, you'll be you'll be. Oh, this guy knows football. He's, that's a good <laughs> um, Yeah, I mean, I, I, I hope... I mean, this, this might sound weird, but I hope he doesn't get too obsessed with scoring goals. Because hmm. um, I think, I, th- yeah, I think that box box to box type player doesn't really exist in the modern game. Certainly at the very highest level, I think there's a very distinct band between uh, yeah, being a holding midfielder and being an attacking midfielder. And I think one of the reasons Pogba often struggles to fit into sides is that he sort of does a bit of each, and, and, hmm. and you, you have him doing one or the other, and you always feel like you're not getting the best out of him, or he looks slightly awkward doing it. So I, I hope he does remain sort of a, a defensive midfielder who occasionally gets forward and gives you that option. But but yeah, he 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 said last season that he he felt he could add goals to his game and he could get forward more, and, and now he's doing it. So it's a fair play. Him and Suchek, unbelievable partnership in midfield. Certainly one of the best in the world. I, I, I would actually say that as a midfielder. I, I don't think that's an outlandish shout, Martin. They're incredible. Yeah, right. It's for what it's worth. Rice's stats across the board are up like substantially. I think what 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 it shows is like his attacking stats are up, but also his defensive stats as well. So his tackles are up from one point eight per ninety last season to two point six. Interceptions are up. Also fouls are up. They've more than doubled, which might sound like a bad thing, but it just points to the fact that in every aspect of the game, he's just being a lot more aggressive, a lot more sort of front foot. He's on the ball a lot more, averaging. 62.6 passes per 90 this season compared to 48.7 points to the fact that David Moyes is actually establishing 
quite a nice way of playing at, at West Ham. They're not yeah, they're necessarily good. A, a team that just sits back. They're very organised. They know what they're doing. 91.8% pass accuracy. It's keeping the ball, more key passes, more dribbles. Yeah, you can't really can't really question him at the moment. He's, he, he is one of the best sort of holding midfielders around at the moment. Uh, and still, what, 20, is he still 22? It just, just yeah, seems like he doesn't age. Seems like he doesn't age. So, yeah, a massive, massive future ahead of him if he continues on this sort of scale of sort of riser. What I've noticed, and this is a great way to judge a footballer, but since his trim's got less dead, he's got become become better. Since as his, his hair, trim as, has as got his less hair, dead. His hair has become more trendy, Christ. I would say. How old are you, Dan? Since 36. his trims become less dead, since he's since he's had a better trim, Declan Ross got a fifteen-year-old. His thing. game is getting better. <laughs> Honestly, go back and look at his hair when he used to have it short. It wasn't as good now. I'm telling you that, that is, that's the barometer to measure a player. I enjoyed that zoom on Jonathan. We'll move on from the haircut talk. No one obviously <laughs> agrees with that. Talking of midfields, Martin, do you think Liverpool's lack of a depth? in midfield will, will cost them the time. I mean, Thiago came back last night, which is a, a positive. Them They're picking up injuries there. It really replaced Wijnaldum. Yeah, that's the yeah. area, if anywhere, where they're going to get caught short. Yeah, it's, it's a strange one because they don't look short in midfield if if all their players are fit. But it does. it is an issue that the likes of Fabinho, the likes of Thiago, even Henderson have picked up, and, and Naby Keita as well, have picked up injuries consistently for best part of a year, 18 months now. It's, it's interesting that it, since the start of last season, the player to have started, the, the midfielder to have started the most league games for, for Liverpool is Genie Wijnaldum. And he left in the summer. So there's been 10 games this season. So he's still got the most starts of, of Liverpool midfielders since the start of last season. So it does point to the fact that they are being unfortunate in their, that area. And obviously they were, centre-back was the issue last season, wasn't it? And it does look like central midfield could be a slight issue this season. But yeah, it, if the players are all fit, then they're absolutely. I think they're absolutely fine there personally, but there are concerns that there, there are long-term issues with some of those players picking up, up niggling injuries. Do you think Thiago suits the the four-three-three, Jonathan, for for Liverpool? I almost feel like he, he's better as the deep, as the deepest midfielder, dictating from deep. But obviously, Fabinho a different role, but he plays as the deepest midfielder. I almost feel like it, it doesn't suit him. I think he was brought in probably to try and add a bit of control. Um, that. Uh, you know, I, th- I think if you look at the development of tactics over the last decade, you had the very possession-heavy football of Barcelona, and that was then challenged by. So that that was that was football that, that focused on retaining the ball. Then you get the, the Klopp and the German school of, of regaining the ball, and it's incredibly high tempo, it's incredibly percussive, and just as we've seen Guardiola moving slightly more towards that model and it's being slightly less possession-oriented than he was a decade ago. I think also you've seen Klopp take a step into the more middle ground. The signing Thiago was an attempt to, to allow Liverpool to just control the ball and sort of kill games with possession, uh, rather than being health leather, high tempo for 90 minutes. Uh, but just with the injuries, we haven't really had a chance to see that yet. No. The injuries both to Thiago and, and you know, all the issues they had last season, and again this season. So... I assume that was the logic in, in signing him, was to give him that extra option that certainly the last 20, 30 minutes of games when they're two goals up, they could just keep it, hold it, knock it about and calm everything down rather than having that high attrition rate they had before. Whether that's true, I, I, I don't know. But 
and we won't find out till they till they get a long run when they they don't have injuries and are actually picking a midfield by choice rather than by who's available. Thiago, on the injury front, he's a player who's suffered with them throughout his career, isn't he? Like his entire career has been hampered by injuries. And and Vinaldum was that player that they could rely on to be fit every week. And, that, and yeah. I guess that's just what they don't have. Give us the bet builder for this one, Martin. Yeah, so we've got uh, both teams to score. I think a lot of people fancy that. Two, two teams that are playing very nice football at the moment. Both teams have scored in seven of their last 10 meetings. Uh, Liverpool have actually scored at least twice in nine of those 10 games. So uh, West Ham are looking better since that run, I guess, but uh, they will be confident. One player who will be very confident and always is, is Mo Salah. Another one, another regular in the in the Who Scored bet builders, but for good reason. And again, this week for very good reason. He scored nine goals in eight appearances against West Ham. So in those eight games, he's only failed to score against West Ham one. So he scored in seven of eight appearances. Uh, we've got Rice to be carded and it points to the fact that what I was saying about him being a lot more aggressive this season. He has been booked more times in the league this season than over the entirety of last season. And he's also been booked in each of his last three meetings with Liverpool. And then the final leg of the bet is to there to be 12 plus corners in the game. These two teams rank fourth, West Ham are fourth and Liverpool first for corners taken this season, respectively. West Ham averaging just over six per game, Liverpool just over eight per game. So we've got 12 plus corners. So both teams to score, Salah to score, Rice carded 12 plus corners. Exactly the same as the as the Manchester derby um, boost from 24 to 1 to 28 to 1. Uh, and if you do get involved, please gamble responsibly. One of our bet builders came in, that's what they did though. They did not. No, they did not. I think one of them was very close again. But I can't remember. A difficult run at the moment. We are. We are are. are suffering. Well, bet builders are are (laughs) notoriously difficult to land, but we're coming very close. One's coming, I can sense it. Let's have you score then from the who scored perspective, the prediction, Martin. Our prediction is two all for this one. Two all. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Jonathan? One one. One one. I've gone a bit niche. West Ham two, Liverpool three. Goals in this game. That is niche. I think the last time you predicted 3 2 was Burnley Norwich. Uh, Oh, yeah, I did. That that was 0 0. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, could could be 0 0 on on Sunday (laughs) quite easily. We move on now to the just a minute section. So, Jonathan, we start with you. Friday night's big game Southampton against Villa. Oh, I am sorry. Because I got confused by the script, I've done loads of these. No worries. So, let me just find uh, Southampton Villa. There we are. Some news just in for you on the injury front for Villa that's just flashed up on my phone that might help you with what you're going to say. Ings, Louise, <laughs> and Troy all out. All out. Uh, Villa obviously in a in a terrible run at the minute. Um, after they they got that win at Old Trafford, which maybe wasn't quite as good a result as it looked at the time. Uh, they lost four in a row. Uh, I saw them at Tottenham, which is the game after that, and, and was amazed by how bad they were. Thought we were just having a bad afternoon, but it's, it's carried on. Probably a bit unlucky um, in the game against Wolves. Uh, but I think the big worry as well is they've conceded 10 in the last three of those. Uh, the back three has been binned, but still with the uh, with back four, still letting four last week. Load of injuries uh, with Traore, Ings, uh, Douglas Ruiz and Ramsey all out. Uh, Conso obviously suspended after last week. Southampton without Broyer. Um, they've only actually lost three times this season, Southampton, but they had a lot of draws. Uh, and I think there is a sense they are playing a bit better. Still goals a problem. They only scored more than one in two games this season, but they have kept four clean sheets. So I'm going to go for Southampton win 2-1. Makes sense. I mean, the good news for Villa is that 
Southampton have won the last two, just in time for Villa to rock up into town. What's the who score prediction, Martin? Uh, we've gone for two one Southampton, and it's got it's got James Ward Prowse goal written all over. Oh, it, free kick, loves a free kick yeah. against Villa. We, we, we for what it's worth, we have got a little boost on that as well. I just I just fancied it. I was like Ward Prowse is scoring. We went in for him multiple times uh, before he signed a new long term contract. So Ward Prowse to score and be carded. He was booked in both both meetings last season. Been boosted to sixteen to one uh, to score and be carded from twelve to one to sixteen to one. So yeah. Takes Goal penalties as well, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. Villa love giving away stupid fouls. Oh, Villa are all over the place at the moment. Absolute shambles at the back. So, with all that in mind, I've gone for Southampton nil, Aston Villa 1. Perfect. Makes complete yeah, seems sense reasonable. to yeah. Villa all over the place at the back. Clean sheet without yeah. Ezri Conte. Yeah. 1-1-0 one, one, last season at, at Saints. That's what I'm best yeah, That usually one, happens, doesn't it? That is an exact repeat of the, of the fixture last season. Villa won't lose five in a row, Martin. Come on. Just can't happen. Okay. You have more confidence than me. You move now to Brentford v Norwich. Brentford have hit a, a slightly worrying spell, losing three in a row in the league. And the loss at Burnley, who hadn't won at Turf Moor in the league since January previous to that, was slightly concerning. They were all too easily breached defensively, though it's only the second game all season that they've actually had a lower XG than their opponents. Vitali Anel has been missed and he's back fit, so that should help. While Brian and Burmo was dropped, but should return after a sort of forgettable performance from Marcus Fors. Norwich showed signs of life against Leeds last time out, but having equalised just two minutes after conceding, they proceeded to concede again two minutes later. Daniel Farker continues to overlook Billy Gilmore to the dismay of Chelsea fans. Scott has actually now played more games for the national team than he has in the Premier League this season. Elsewhere, Todd Cantwell's returning, nearing a return. He's been a big miss, not started since August. Canaries are still yet to score away from home in the Premier League all season, but they do have a very good record at Brentford. They're unbeaten in their last six trips to face the Bees. They'll see this as one of four winnable games this month, but Brentford will be keen to arrest their own run of defeats and should have the edge. So we've gone 1-0 to Brentford. I've gone 2-0 to Brentford. Jonathan? Yeah, 2-0 Brentford. And I will say it's dismay of this podcast that Billy Gilmore's getting no football because I have not mentioned it for about four weeks. Keep, keep forgetting I'm to trying to. Uh, the just a minute section, as long as he doesn't yeah. play, he'll get a mention every week. And then yeah. Dismiss it. yeah, get him in that team. What have we got next then? We've got Jonathan talking about Chelsea v Burnley. Chelsea got a lot of injuries at the moment, particularly going forwards. So no Lukaku, no Werner, no Kovacic, no Mount. But they've won six of their last seven and kept five clean sheets in the last six which I think there's a sense that after that little wobble against City and Juventus, uh, they, they've regained that solidity, which which characterised them as it took all the end of last season. The Malmo game on uh, Tuesday, I think, did highlight their issues going forward, that, although they were complete on top of that game. They, they only won 1-0. Burnley, I think, are the more interesting side here in that they, they, you know, they finally got their first win of the season last week against Brentford. But I think they have been playing a lot better than the results have suggested. Their issue has been failing to score. I haven't scored in four of ten this season. And they are three points adrift. And with Newcastle possibly investing heavily in January, they do need probably to, to, to put a bit of distance between them and Newcastle as soon as possible. Uh, last season, uh, Chelsea won this game 2-0. It was 3-0 at Turf Moor to Chelsea. And I think they'll win again. I'm going to say 2-1 to Tickle's side. I've gone to 3-1 Chelsea. Who scored? 2-0 uh, to Chelsea. Chelsea full house, unsurprisingly there. Martin, Crystal Palace against Wolves. 
Yeah, the fact that Palace are still only 13th after their super, superb win at City last time out feels like a false position for a side that have let Leeds slip twice in injury time. Only Liverpool and Chelsea have lost fewer matches than the Eagles this season, with Vieira's more expansive approach not having come at any defensive cost thus far. Indeed, both managers have made superb starts in their new roles in transforming their new side's playing styles very quickly. After victory over Everton, Wolves have now picked up 13 points from the last 15 available, which is the best run in the league over the last five games. Bruno Large has no fresh injury concerns, though could look to Daniel Pedence to complete his front three this time out. He scored in two of his last three against Palace. Elsewhere, Marcel is nearing a return to put pressure on Ryan Aitnouri, while Adama Traore has fallen out of favour at a time when results have improved, so it doesn't look great for him. The last four meetings between these sides uh, without a single away goal, so that the last four meetings have been won by the home team, sorry, without a single away goal in that time. After a slow start in front of goal, Wolves are clicking now though in attack, so it'd be a surprise not to see goals at both ends this time out. That's played out in four of each side's last five league games, and with both teams playing entertaining stuff this season, this should be no different. So I'm looking forward to this game. We're going Palace 2-1. Yeah, snap, 2-1 Palace. I've gone for a 1-1 draw this time round. Now, Martin, we've got a Saturday treble, haven't we now? We do indeed. Uh, the who scored leg for what it's worth is Brentford to win to nil against Norwich. And that's mainly based on the fact what I said in the in the preview. Norwich still haven't scored an away goal all season. Uh, and Brentford, obviously on a bit of a poor run at the moment, but I, I feel like they'll come good this week. My leg was Ben Teke to score, which I nearly wasn't allowed. I had to beg to have to have, to have that in because Martin said he might not start. But I think that, that uh, line-up last week against Manchester City was tactical getting the legs in the, in the front three. Benteke has been in good goal-scoring form. And even if he doesn't start, I'd back him to come on and score from, from a set player. And he is a streaky player. He is a streaky player. That, that's very right. So, yeah, I've got I've gone for Benteke to score any time in my leg. Jonathan, you weren't allowed what you wanted either. Martin's really been harsh this week. Yeah, I mean, first I wanted Burnley plus 1.75 against Chelsea, but apparently that's too complicated. I don't then know I wanted Burnley plus 1.5, and apparently we can't have Asian lines in, in this. So Burnley plus two. What are the odds, Martin? So yeah, so the, the treble, let's, let's just remind, it's um, Brentford to win to nil, Benteke to score any time, and Burnley to start with a plus two handicap, been boosted from 15 to one to 17 to one. Nice. Worth saying as well, it wasn't a blind Bardell last week. No, the only one that, no, got, only one that got it right, wasn't it? Yeah, you're catching up, catching up. Yeah, we didn't recap the uh, just a minute either. And... I was going to do it at the end. I was going to do it at the end. Nice okay. little, nice little oh. ending for us. Yeah, but yeah. But f- football was wrong last week. Yeah, it's been wrong yeah. for a while. To be fair, it's been yeah. wrong for about yeah. four or five weeks. I'd say. I mean, yeah. I, I think I went for five one-one draws, and none of them came in. I mean, how... I think you went for I, six, Jonathan. I, I, was, six I counted one-ones. them back. I think you had six one-one draws. Six one-ones and a two-two. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. yeah. It was bold. Uh, Notice when we're recapping the week that I don't mess up the dribble. We try and move off that quite quickly. Tell us what you got right, Dan. Go on. I know, just shouted to keep a clean sheet. That was it. Oh. You two, your two teams didn't keep a clean sheet, did that? Liverpool and Man City. Yeah, we had a win to nil treble. Yeah, Liverpool and Man City. Let yeah. us down. More looks than judgment from me, let's be honest. Let's restart then. Let's restart with the, uh, the just a minute section. I think we're at Brighton, Newcastle for Jonathan now. Yeah, I mean, talking of a lack of judgment, uh, Newcastle's owners. Um, I mean, this managerial search is an absolute farce. I mean, ev- ev- everybody you talk to in football says that there's just a lack of football expertise there. Um, there's an issue that there appears to be three factions in the board with the Staveleys, the Rubens and the Saudis all pulling in different directions. Um, and the fact that they, they went public on thinking they got Emery and then it turned out that 
they hadn't actually signed anything was all very odd. It now looks like Eddie Howe, but Eddie Howe and Emery are just totally different managers. So yeah. was the plan literally, let's get somebody we've heard of who's actually come? Um, um, yeah, I know Eddie Howe did, did well at Bournemouth, but he didn't do well at Burnley. And really, how many players are going to join the Eddie Howe relegation battle? So I think there's a lot of problems there. Um, Brighton, despite having not won in six, seem to be getting more and more praise as everybody's tipping Graham Potter for every job going. Uh, <laughs> I think the return of Basuma after his knee injury is a big issue, though, and I think they will win this. And I'm going for them to win 2-0. I've gone Brighton 2, Newcastle 1. Martin? 2-0. I feel like we've matched up with Jonathan in almost every result this week, but yeah. Yeah. The only thing about Eddie Howe to Newcastle is, is that there's already a few there's already a few ex Bournemouth players there. That's the only logic I can but, think yeah, of. But he also can't like couldn't organise a defence at all. They were very leaky and Newcastle this season are a shambles at the back. So Eddie Howe wouldn't be the man I'd bring in to fix a defensive problem, that's for sure. But I like the theory that they have to get a, a manager who's used to relegation back. Like they have to, like it's imperative. Like they couldn't possibly go for someone who's never been involved in a relegation battle, maybe because they're not terrible managers. But yeah, yeah I still think it might end up on Hodgson, you know, for the for the rest of the season. Let him rest. <laughs> he wants he wants to be keen to get. He's always keen to get back in the game. He's right. He's always. Wants I don't to know if he is game. now. Yeah, I think that COVID break. He he was talking a lot about how he was enjoying getting up in the morning and sitting on his balcony overlooking the Thames reading a book. Yeah, uh, and and to be honest, that sounds a lot more fun than a Newcastle relegation. It does, battle. yeah. And he's a Palace fan, wasn't he? He'll just end yeah. on that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, maybe, maybe. I mean, I might have put some money on Hodgson to be the next Newcastle manager. Yeah, quite high sense. odds. That might be why I'm touting it around. <laughs> Arsenal, Watford, then the last one for you to preview, Martin. Yeah, bottom of the league after three matches. Arsenal are now just three points off the top four after ten, and had Aaron Ramsdale to thank for their impressive two-one, two-nil win at Leicester. Indeed, that was perhaps their first win of the season from a match that they weren't strong favourites, with Ramsdale producing eight saves to keep the Foxes at bay, along with fellow newcomer Takahiro Tomiyasu. Uh, the ridiculed summer signing is yet to taste defeat for the Gunners and now being mooted as a competitor for Jordan Pickford's England spot. Watford couldn't follow up their impressive win at Everton up against Southampton. They had less than 39% possession against the Saints. Conceded the opening goal inside 20 minutes in each of Ranieri's first three matches. They'll need to make a much better start against an Arsenal side that have sprung out of the blocks of late, scoring seven goals inside the first half an hour in their last six. Unfortunately, Ranieri has an outrageously bad record against the Gunners. 18 meetings with the Londoners. The Italian has mastered one win. Coming in the Champions League with Chelsea in 2004, his league record against Arsenal reads 11 games, four draws and seven defeats. Stopping at Aubameyang will be key to improving on that awful record, with the Arsenal captain having scored six goals in five meetings with the Hornets. We think Arsenal will continue their fine form with a comfortable win, going 3-0 to Arsenal. I've done the same, 3-0 to Arsenal. Jonathan? 2-1 to Arsenal. 2-1 to Arsenal. Interesting. Your final game then, Jonathan, is Leeds against Leicester. So Leeds finally got their second win uh, the season last week, but they have only beaten Watford and Norwich, and I think they really have to be concerns there. Having said that, they are only a couple of wins from being comfortably lower mid-table, and I think where the, the, there is room for hope is that when you think of Bielsa sides, you think of them being poor defensively. If things are going to go wrong, it's going to be at the back. And that actually hasn't really been the case this season. In 10 games so far, they've scored 10, conceded 17. If you take out the games against United and Liverpool... So in eight games, they then scored nine and conceded nine, which suddenly doesn't look as, as worrying. If a defence is solid, 
then they are getting attacking players <coughs> attacking players back from injury. Uh, Rafinha's back. They're still without Bamford. They're still without Cock. They're still without Ailing. But I think it is looking a more solid, uh, better side than it was a couple of weeks ago. So there is hope there. Leicester, a lot of injuries. We're playing a lot better before the V2 Arsenal. Fafana, Justin Albright still out. Doubt over Pereira, Perez, Madison and Barnes. Uh, but I still think they'll probably have enough. And I'm going to go Leicester to win 2-1. I've gone for 2-2. Martin, who scored? Yeah, ditto, 2-2. There's a lot of samesies this week again, isn't there? Mm. Yeah. Mm. We've we got a Sunday treble. We have, haven't we? We do have a Sunday treble, yeah. Loving a treble um, this week. Yeah, it's, it's because there, there's three sets, uh, two sets of games of three games at the same time kick off. So I like those for trebles. Uh, our tip for this Sunday 2 p.m. treble is Aubameyang to score at any time against Watford based on that record that I cited uh, in the preview. Have I done one? I can't remember what I've done. <laughs> what, what have I, what have yeah, I done? Yeah, you have done one. Uh, let me get it. I was waiting for you to just Spurs... read, read out the three. <laughs> Spurs win to nil against Spurs Everton. Win to nil. That was the one. Yeah, Conte, the Conte factor. And Jonathan? Uh, I've gone for Leicester to win and both teams to score uh, against Leeds. Yeah, and big odds on this. Now? Very big. big odds. Yeah. So Aubameyang to score any time. Leicester win with both teams to score and Spurs to win to nil. Was thirty four to one, now thirty nine to one. So massive odds on that, I think. So, yeah, definitely more tempted by that one than the Saturday one, I must say. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be worth. That's going to be worth a go, I think. Let's end then with our predictions league, Martin. How did we all get on last week? A much needed, decent, not an amazing week for who scored, but a much needed win for who scored last week. Nine points for who scored. So a good, a good score. Two correct result, uh, correct scores in that. Uh, Dan with seven decent score, so we'll you put it. real pressure. I think you're only one behind Jonathan at the top now. Jonathan clinging on to top spot after four, only four last week. Um, so yeah, well, that Jonathan, was better than I thought. I only had, I, I thought I only had one. I think you really let's go back, no, and, let's go you, back and check the math. I think you had four. I, maybe you got a correct score that you didn't realize. I don't know, but yeah, you, you definitely had four when I did it anyway. No, I, was, I was sitting there on the Saturday afternoon watching Sunderland conceding Hatfields against Rotherham. <laughs> and uh, seeing every result go wrong, just thinking this is a disaster. I've been exposed to the fraud I actually am. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I think, I, well, I've got you down as four, so we'll stick with I'll that. I'll take that, that's it. fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you're one ahead. Who scored now? Um, back within five of the lead, so it's got tighter again. We were 10 behind, so we needed that. That's good. Interesting. We'll see where we are next week. And of course, we, uh, will we be back next week, actually? Because of the international break. Good question. I, I genuinely I haven't thought about it. <laughs> we might be we back. See. We might be back. We might not. Look out. If you, if, if you do want to find out, if you do care, then get your post notifications on and you'll find <laughs> yeah, out if we are back, if we have a show next week. Because as Martin just said, at the moment, we're unsure what we're doing across the international break. Thanks ever so much for watching and thanks to the guys for joining me as well. Have a great weekend, enjoy the football and stay safe.